Good morning, everyone. Um, today's reading is from Luke, uh, chapter 15, verse 1 through to 32. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give to me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So when he, he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the field to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything." But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants had more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what those things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, These many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when his son came, when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, and killed you, killed the fattened calf for him. 
And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's uh, pray before we look at this great chapter together. Thank you so much for your word, Father. And as we look at these great stories that Jesus told, we pray that we would hear these stories afresh and that you would speak them into our hearts. We ask that you do this through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're around sort of 18 to 21 or so, a uh, good chance that you get invited to party after party. I have a daughter in year 12. It's that year when everyone takes turn to turn 18, and it seems everyone throws a party. And uh, I have another daughter who's about 21. I know that she had two 21st to go to last night. And so it's that era where there's just one party after another. And for some people, that is fantastic. Like, there's nothing better than a party. It's so exciting and fun. And for other people, it's just awful. Um, for some people, parties are just awkward. What about that party that you're meant to go to? <laughs> you're meant to go to it, and you don't want to be there. What about that party where you don't know anyone? What about that party where you got the dress code completely wrong? I hate that. What about the party where the mix of people is just really awkward? What about the party when you turn up and you see someone there and you think, oh my goodness, what on earth are they doing here? That's pretty much how the scribes and Pharisees, that is the religious leaders of Jesus' day, are feeling about the kind of parties that Jesus goes to. We're told right at the start of this chapter that the Pharisees and, and the scribes, this, this is the religious hierarchy. These are learned. These are godly people. They know their Bible, their Old Testament Bible inside out. And they see the kind of people Jesus is mixing with. It, it actually says there that they're, they're grumbling. This man receives sinners and eats with them. And eating with them means he hangs out with them. He goes to their places. He goes to their parties. Jesus is having relationship with tax collectors and sinners. And they are two loaded terms. Tax collectors work for the Roman government. Uh, Israel is occupied by the Romans. Jews do not like Roman rule, and tax collectors are Jewish people who are working for the opposition. And they're known to be greedy, and they're known to rip people off and basically steal from them. So if you're a tax collector, like it's, worse th it's, it's much worse than working for the ATO. Like in, in the day, it's, it's the lowest of the low. And sinners is kind of a catch-all phrase for people who are leading immoral lives. Uh, it includes prostitutes. It includes adulterers. 
It includes thieves. It, it's, it's this catch-all phrase for people who are basically morally and spiritually at the bottom of the heap. That's where this chapter begins. Now, tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees are saying, come on, what on earth's going on? Why is he hanging out with people like that? They're not the sort of parties we're going to go to. And what does it say about Jesus that he's mixing with those kinds of people? So in response, Jesus tells three parables, three stories. And interestingly, each story climaxes with a party. But there's a sting in the tail as well. And so we're going to look at these three stories and at the pattern and at the parties. And then we're going to hear the sting in the tail. A sting directed at the Pharisees who were complaining about Jesus' ministry. And actually a sting that maybe some of us need to feel as well. But then maybe not. Because the sting in the tail is also in some ways a sweet invitation to the best party ever. So let's have a look at how Jesus handles the situation. First of all, he tells the story, the parable of the found sheep. Now, we typically call it the parable of the lost sheep, but the whole point of the parable is that the sheep didn't stay lost. The sheep got found. Uh, so it's a happy story. Um, the, the, the shepherd has 99, or he has 100 sheep, um, he leaves 99 of them to go and look for this one sheep that has become lost. He cares deeply about this one sheep. Why was he lost? Was he, was he just stupid? There's a good possibility he was just stupid. Sheep are not famous for their great intelligence. Uh, had he just strayed away from the rest of the flock, there's a good chance that he had... He had strayed. Um, in fact, the Bible takes up that theme often. You remember Isaiah 53, perhaps, where it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Was he lost because he was weak, perhaps, and couldn't keep up with the flock, got stuck in a hole, got caught in a bush? Was he attacked by a predator and the shepherd has to go off and rescue him? Possibly any of the above. We, we're not told. But what we are told is the shepherd went and diligently sought the sheep, left the others, found it, brought it back, and he was so happy that he'd found his sheep, he calls his friends together, hey guys, come on over, let's have a party. I found my stupid lost sheep. Which is kind of extreme, isn't it? Like, I have never been invited to a, a found sheep party. But that's, that's what the shepherd throws. And Jesus is making a point. And his point is in verse 7. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You see, this lost sheep is a picture of lost people. Lost sinners, the kind of people Jesus was hanging out with. 
people who are spiritually lost, morally lost. And Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd who came to seek and to save the lost. He came to find people who are straying and people who are stuffing up and people who are screwing up their lives. Jesus came for people who are making a mess of it. He came for people who have committed adultery and stuffed up their marriage. He came for people who are hopelessly addicted to porn. He came for people who are greedy and their greed has led them to deceit and, or to gambling or, or to dodgy business deals. He, he came for people who are proud and people who are arrogant and people who are obnoxious and people who are just yuck to hang out with. He, he came for people like that. He, he came for people with sort of private sins and everyone else thinks we're kind of nice. And, but underneath, we, we sure know that we are not. Those were the sort of people Jesus had come for. He'd come to seek them out and to save them. That's why he's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. The, the kind of lostness doesn't really matter. Are we lost because we're stupid, because we're strayed, because we're weak? It doesn't really matter. Like, lost is lost. Sin is sin. Okay, because RDC is now in Melbourne City, I catch the train to work. If I miss the train, it really doesn't matter how much I miss it by. I've missed the train. If I miss it by 10 seconds, it's so frustrating. If I miss it by 10 minutes, it's annoying. But the result is the same. I'm on the platform and the train is gone. And it doesn't really matter whether you have missed God's standards by a little bit. You're basically pretty nice, but you're not perfect. Or whether you've missed it by miles. Lost is lost. Because sin is sin. And Jesus had come for lost people and for sinners. He'd come to rescue them. He'd He'd come not only to befriend them and love them and hang out with them, talk with them. He'd come to stand in their place and one day pay the penalty for their sin. Take God's judgment for their sin. You see, he wouldn't only hang out with them at their parties. One day he'd hang on a cross for them so that they would be found. And every time a lost person is found, heaven throws a party. God celebrates. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. We tend to think, so the angels are rejoicing. No, it's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. That's the whole of heaven breaks into a party. Yes, found. There's joy, there's gladness, there's thankfulness because this was the whole point of Jesus' mission to save and rescue and find lost people. Last year I had a trip to the United States and I met there with a lecturer, a professor of a theological seminary over there. We hadn't met before, so we'd arranged this time to meet. We meet each other, we introduce 
ourselves to each other. And then he says to me, just straight away, he says, Murray, I have to tell you, I've spent most of today weeping tears of joy. I thought, why? What's happened? He said, my son is in prison. Now, that wasn't why he was weeping tears of joy. Um, <laughs> he said, my son is in prison again. And it turns out his son, basically, for the last 10 years, had making, been making a train wreck of his life. Um, parties, drink, broken relationships, kids out of marriage, and drugs. And he'd been caught for doing drugs again, and he was in prison again. And he'd phoned his dad from prison again. But over the last week or so, the phone calls had been completely different from every other time. He, he said to me, he, he hasn't been phoning me for money. He hasn't been phoning me for bail. He hasn't been phoning me to help out. He's been phoning and talking to me about Bible verses that are speaking into his heart. And he's been, he's been talking to me about Jesus. And he's, he, he said, I think he's been saved. I really think he's been saved. And the guy had spent a day just weeping tears of joy. You get that, hey? There's, there's nothing better than someone who was lost is found. And heaven throws a party. So that's Jesus' first story. Then he tells the story of the found coin. And here Jesus repeats exactly the same pattern. Something is lost, something is found, and there's a party. It's exactly the same pattern. This time what's lost is a coin. Probably, actually, that the scholars say, um, a, a, a coin from the woman's dowry. It would have been a precious coin. The equivalent is more like losing a diamond out of your engagement ring. You do that, and you search like crazy, don't you? And so that's what this woman does. Oh, she's sweeping the house, and she's looking everywhere. And you know what it's like when you've lost something, don't you? When I lose something, you, you search. And then you search again. Uh, earlier this year, my, one of my daughters got married. And as she went off on honeymoon, she said, I'm going to leave my car keys with you guys so that you can use the car, or one of my brothers can use the car if they want while I'm away. Cool. About two days later, I decide to move her car. I go to get the, where are the keys? I couldn't find the keys. I searched high and low. I searched all the usual places. Then I started searching unusual places. I started searching places you would never, ever put keys, and keys could not possibly found. Then I repeated searching in sensible places, and I repeated searching in stupid places. And then... I, like I was phoning my kids, do you know, did she leave the keys with you? Uh, then we started calculating what it would cost to replace all the locks on the car, knowing she only had that one set of keys. We were desperate. And that's the picture in the story of the found coin. This woman searches everywhere, and it's a picture again 
of Jesus. It's a picture of Jesus' deep investment in coming to find lost people. And Jesus also calculated the cost. And the cost would be his own life. That's what it would cost to find lost sinners. Well, this, this woman finds her coin. She finds the diamond. And verse 10, Jesus says, Just so I tell you, there will be joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Ah, the relief when you find it. The happiness. We got so desperate, I eventually phoned my daughter on her honeymoon. You don't do that. But she says, oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Actually, somehow those keys ended up in my bag and they're here with me. <laughs> Didn't know whether to love her or kill her. <laughs> but the relief is immense. And so is the joy in heaven when a lost person is found. And so Jesus goes to his third story, the story of the found son. We've had the found sheep and the found coin, but now we have the found son. It's exactly the same pattern again. Something is lost, something is found, and there is a party. But this time, Jesus ramps everything up. What's lost is not a sheep. Like the sheep was one out of a hundred sheep, and the shepherd went for it. This time, it's not a sheep, and it's not a coin. The coin was one out of ten, and the woman went for it. But this time, it's one out of two. One out of two sons. Not an animal, not a coin, a child. A child is lost, and we're given a vivid description of his lostness. This, this son comes to his father, and he says, Dad, Give me the inheritance now. I want out of here. It's it's unbelievable request. He would get the inheritance ordinarily when his father died. Basically, what he's doing is saying, Dad, I wish you were dead and I had your money now. That's what he's asking for. He cares nothing for his father. Somehow, his father actually agrees, unheard of, really. And so the son is given this money, and off he goes. And boy, does he party. There's fun, and there's travel, and there's excitement, and there are girls, and there's all sorts of stuff going on. Has the time of his life. But of course, money doesn't last. It starts to run out, and things start to get a bit harder. And then his growing poverty combines with a famine in the region. He can't get work, and he ends up in utter desperation. He gets a job on a pig farm. He ends up feeding pigs, and he's so hungry that he longs to eat what the pigs are eating. Once he'd eyed off his father's wealth, now he's eyeing off pig food and feeling envious. And the thing with the pigs 
is that to a Jew, they are an unclean animal. To the Jew, this is the lowest of the low, to be envying the food of an unclean pig owned by a Gentile is about as rock bottom as you can get. I think it's actually a really sad picture of where sin can take us. It can actually take us to places we never imagined. And we end up lower than we ever thought possible. And so this guy begins to reason to himself, my, my dad's servants are better off than this. Maybe I should go home. He starts to prepare his words. Verses 18 and 19 prepares his little speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as you would one of your hired servants. So off he goes with his words prepared. But he never gets to say them. As he as he heads towards home, there's his father. And, and this is another thing which is culturally absolutely unheard of. His father is running towards him. In that culture, old men don't run. It was completely undignified and inappropriate for an old man to run. The old man runs to meet him, throws his arms around him. He's so glad, he's so happy to see him. Something's lost, something's found, and man does, he throw a party. Go and get the best robe. Who, whose would be the best robe? His. <laughs> Clothes him in one of his robes. Put a ring on his, whose ring will he put on his finger? It'll be one of his rings on his finger. Go and kill the, kill the fattened calf. They throw one almighty party. It is perhaps the Bible's most beautiful picture of God the Father's love for sinners who repent and turn back to him. A father who loves us. A father who forgives us. A father who embraces us despite the fact that we previously just rejected him and spat in his face. A father who's so kind and so gracious, so good. God, God's love can handle any sin. God's grace can cover any failing. If we will go back if we'll repent, to repent isn't just to feel sorry for your sin. Sometimes we feel sorry for our sin because we're getting in trouble. No, to repent is more than to feel sorry for your sin. It's more than to confess that you've sinned and stuffed up. To repent is actually, literally means to turn around. You've been going one direction. You've been going away from God and to repent is the action of turning 
and going back to God and casting yourself on his mercy and his grace and his love, knowing you don't deserve it. But now, because of stories like this and because of the work of Jesus, knowing that God is a God who forgives and reinstates. But then comes the sting in the tail. We've seen the pattern, haven't we? Something is lost, something is found, and there's a party. But this time, something is lost, something is found, there is a party, and there is a party pooper. There's someone who doesn't want to go to this party. There's someone who, who thinks this is a disgusting, this is a totally inappropriate party. There's someone who is peeved at this party. He's not happy at all that his brother has been found. He's far less happy that his father has welcomed him back as if everything was okay. He feels hard done by. He's bitter. He's resentful. And he's very superior. If he'd been a real brother, he would have been so pleased that his brother was back. If he'd been a real brother, he probably would have been out searching for him. But instead... When he's found, this older brother fumes. And I think the Pharisees listening to this must have fumed as well. <laughs> because they would have known that Jesus was getting at them. Jesus is saying to them, you are older brother types. He was exposing their lovelessness. He was exposing their self-righteousness and their superiority. And he was, uh, he was exposing that they were completely out of touch with God's love. It was a sting in the tail for them. These three stories are told for them. But maybe it's a sting in the tail that some of us need to hear as well. You know, it's possible, I think, for us to become so Christian, so churchy, so spiritual, that over time we have completely lost sight of God's mission. And we're out of touch with God's love for broken people. It's possible, isn't it, as Christian people to, to become so caught up in church things and Christian things and spiritual things and very good things that we actually have no time for non-Christians. Literally, we have no time for them. It's possible that our life becomes so neat and tidy and ordered and moral and respectable that increasingly we can't handle people's lives that are not like that. And if broken people come along to church and messy people come along to church and their kids are noisy and they smell and we we just want we want to manage that situation better we don't have time for them we sure don't invite them to our place it's possible have people sitting in church and they've sat in the same seat for the last 60 years 
and they won't move out of that seat to meet someone new, to befriend someone, particularly someone broken and messy. Possible to have been a believer for years and grown greatly in your faith and never shared your faith with anyone. If we don't have a heart for mission, then no matter how spiritual we look, we're completely out of touch with the ministry of Jesus. Lost people must be found. And found people must be celebrated. Lost people must be found. And found people must be celebrated. I find that convicting. I find that very convicting. But that convicting sting in the tail also has something rather sweet about it. There's another twist at the end of these three stories. Look at verses 29 and 30, where the older son is talking. Look, he says, these many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command. You, you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours comes, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him. It's clear that he's not only superior and resentful, but he actually has no more love for his father than the prodigal son did. Ed Clowney, writing about this, points out that, that for him, keeping his father's orders had been drudgery. Working for him had been slavery. And his real desire was not to be with his father, but to be with his friends. And he's resentful that he's never had a goat to party with his friends. Which is a typical sort of youth complaint. Give me a goat, Dad. <laughs> See, this guy, he has no love for his father. No, no more than his brother had when he left. And he has no real conception of his father's love. But what is absolutely beautiful here is that now you see the father go out to him and invite him in as well. <laughs> First he sends a servant to him to invite him in. And then we read verse 27. Uh, oh, verse 28. When the son was angry, he refused to go, and his father came out to him and entreated him. His father now invites in not just the younger son, the prodigal son, he invites in the older son. You see, there's more than one way to be lost. You can be lost through immorality and leading a sinful, messy, broken life. But you can also be lost through self-righteousness. 
and smugness and complacency and religious superiority. You, you don't have to be in the gutter to be lost. You can be in church and be lost. But the invitation is the same to both. <laughs> it's come in, come back, come to the Father. Jesus isn't just exposing where the Pharisees are at. He's actually inviting them to come and share in the Father's love. And you know, this morning, Jesus invites all of us as well. So as you listen this morning, as we think about these stories this morning, maybe you are here as a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. Maybe you're here as someone who's run away from God or you've just, <laughs> you've stuffed up big time in life. Maybe you've committed sins that you're ashamed of. Maybe you've come to a place of brokenness. Maybe your life has spun more out of control than you ever imagined. And Jesus comes to you and he invites you back to the Father who loves sinners and sent his son to find you. And no sin is too big for him to handle. No brokenness is too broken for him to mend. And he invites you to come this morning, to come and repent, to come and turn back, to come and find in God the love and the security and the joy that your heart craves. But maybe you're here not as, not as a prodigal son or daughter. Maybe you're here as some kind of modern-day smug Pharisee. And maybe you've been, if you're honest, rather superior and rather self-sufficient and rather self-righteous. And Jesus comes to you as well and invites you to the Father, invites you to repent and turn away from your self-righteousness and your religiosity, and to humble yourself and find in Jesus the grace that you need to experience the love of the Father. Then again, maybe you're neither one nor the other, but actually you're someone who was found a while ago, maybe a long time ago, maybe just recently. Maybe you're here today, many of you are here today, I'm sure, as followers of Jesus. And Jesus today invites you to just continue celebrating the love of the Father. The, love who's the, the Father who's loved you and received you and forgiven you. The Father who gave his Son for you. He wants you to join in the praise of heaven. He wants you to sing. Like we're going to sing soon. I once was lost, but now am found. I was blind, but now I see. He wants you to never take for granted the grace you've received and be so thankful that Jesus came to find you. And, and he wants you then to join him on his mission. 
and he wants you to hang out with sinners and go to dodgy parties and find broken people and love them. Because lost people must be found and found people must be celebrated. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for telling such amazing stories. Thank you for what they show us of you and of your mission, what they show us of your Father's love and what they show us of our story. And we pray that all of us here this morning would be those who come back to you, turning from sin, turning from self-righteousness and celebrating your grace and your love to us. And we pray that we might be people and that this might be a church that then advances your mission in the world of seeking and saving the lost. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you are the saviour of all who turn to you. Amen.